This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. (laughs) You show your compassion, your passion to taking care of the other family in order for you to help yourself and support your family back home, right? So even though you have to be far from your family, you are thinking that I need to do this because of my ambition, because of my dream to help my family and for myself in the future. This is What's the Chismis, a show about Filipinx identity in Edmonton. Hey there, my name is Jenna Prop, and this week I'll be sharing the Chismis on Canada's Caregiver Program. This is a program designed for caregivers to come to Canada to work temporarily or to work towards permanent residency if they are able to fulfill all of the requirements. In this episode, I talked to my mom who came to Canada in the late 80s through the Living Caregiver Program, Cynthia from Agrante, Alberta, which is a nonprofit advocacy organization that works to address the immediate issues facing migrants and we'll also hear from Maria, who is currently working as a living caregiver here in Edmonton. So mom, our podcast is called What's the Cheesemies? Um, what is that? What's the Cheesemies? Oh, I see. The Cheesemies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so if you could spill a little bit of Cheesemies about what the living caregiver program was like. Um, what would you say? During my time, it was a, a great program. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, um, I know nowadays that there's, you know, quite a bit changes. Um, in all these experiences and challenges that I have, well, not challenge. Maybe it was a challenge because I am a, you know, a kid it, myself I you know I'm still young and uh, there's lots of responsibility but all these employers that I um, um, adopted me it, it became my my own family you know I have a very good success on my employer I think it was like you know when I came here to Canada I have one thing in mind that um, I would like to um, to improve my life. You know, Tess, you need to get to Canada. <laughs> One of those uh, things. So I pursue it. I came to Canada in, it was on the late 80s. I think I was 24, 25. I left the Philippines in 19, I think that was 1984 or late 1983. You were a nanny in Dubai and Hong Kong before coming to Canada. Um, How did those places compare to working in Canada? Oh, okay. So when I was in the Middle East, it is very restricted. I was uh, 19 and, you know, I don't know any better. So um, actually, no days off 
and uh, our passport is um, not with us. The employer keep it, and we're not allowed to go out unless, of course, um, we're going out with them. You know, uh, my employer. I think she was just about maybe uh, a year or two years older than me, and she had her fourth child. I believe they get married at 14. So that is her, that was her fourth child that I am looking after, newborn. I came to the household when she was about maybe four months to six months. I can't remember, but I, so I raised this kid. It was just beautiful. <laughs> so she get attached to me. And uh, everywhere I go, she come with me and, uh, you know, in the house, in the yard, of course. And um, she slept with me. How did it feel leaving that situation? Um, when my contract was done, I am ready to go home. It was just like, you know, I was so secluded that I don't know what the outside world would look like. Um, and um, so, yeah, it was hard. I have to wait until she goes to, she went to sleep before I left. So they make sure that my um, they book my flight in the late uh, late evening, late night. So she will be sleeping when I left. And then you know a few months later they asked me if I would like to come back, but I decided not to right. because it is you know for a young age at that, and then you spend another two years there. Is I thought. It's not going to be good for me. Were they a wealthy family? Uh, somewhat, yes. They have a gardener, they have a driver, they have a cook. And were all of their employees migrant workers? Yes. All from the Philippines? So there's two of us, and then uh, um, there's uh, from India. So after your contract was up, you went back to the Philippines for a little bit? Uh, yes, I did. But then I decided to apply to go to Hong Kong. Were you the primary supporter for your family? Yes, I am. Because remember, Grandpa passed away when I was 17. Right. So how many siblings were you supporting? Well, there's 10 of us, so nine siblings, plus mom. Up until about a year ago, I knew basically nothing about my mom's life before my sister and I were born, which looking back is shocking. Even in this interview with her, I learned so many new things about her life from when she was around my age. It feels really special to have her open up to me and talk to me about it, especially in this context, because it's just not something that has ever really brought up. From here, we'll talk about her experience working in Canada. Last time we talked, you said that the living caregiver program was your only ticket out of the Philippines. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, 
at that time it was a good program like you know it's easier to to get out than applying for as a permanent residence or uh, because there's so many um you know, rules and regulations and qualifications and money is not there for me to um, to do what I would like, right? So in that program is was the the only outlet that I can do to get out easily, and at that time they provided an airfare for me because I didn't struggle too much about uh, finances and be in debt to get out the country. What was the application process like? There was an agency that came from, uh, from Calgary and they went to one of the uh, Prestige um, Hotel in Hong Kong and they are recruiting nannies. So I heard that, I heard those from my, um, you know, some of my connections and on that day, put in our application and that's how it started then um, a few months later it came back to me I have um, somebody's interested on my application and we started the process it took about eight months When did you get your permanent residency? Uh, about maybe um, on my third year here in Canada. When I got it, it was pretty, I was excited. Like, you know, it was, um, um, it was a challenge. But when I got that one, it was another, you know, it, another steps forward. And I was happy with that because I have a freedom to, you know, look for different jobs and things like that. But at that time, we as an immigrant, the available job is the low paying job. I tried to get away from being a nanny. So I actually, um, while I was waiting for that permanent residence, I had three jobs. And I don't think I sleep at all because <laughs> um, I am jumping from, you know, morning until noon, noonish or um, in the afternoon, I got to go to a next job. And then after that, I have to go to my night shift job. So it was kind of a, a, a little bit too much. Then... I went back as a nanny because it's easier because at that time it was like, you know, that is the only job available for us. None of these that you will, you know, work as a cashier or work in the uh, fast food industry before I get my permanent residence. It doesn't matter if you are well educated. It was not honored here in Canada during that time. This is on the late 80s and early 90s. 
My mom worked as a living caregiver for two families in Canada before she applied for and received permanent residency. Unlike the current caregiver program that replaced the living caregiver program in 2014 and was updated recently in 2019, my mom said her permanent residency application did not require an English language proficiency test, such as the CELPIP exam, and she was not required to take a medical exam. Cynthia from McGrancy, Alberta talks about the changes made to the caregiver program in recent years. I met Cynthia through organizing with another nonprofit that's affiliated with McGrancy, Alberta, and she let me in on some aspects of the caregiver program. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I want to make sure that it's, uh, I'm not making a lot of noise here. My name is Cynthia Palmaria. I've been working with migrant workers since I was a youth in Quebec in 1996, 97. I um, got involved in the organizing work because my parents came here as caregivers in the 80s. And so when I joined them here in Quebec, I was able to see what kind of um, difficulties, the abuse and all that, that they have experienced, which I thought initially was an isolated incident. But then when I met the other youth in Montreal, then I realized that, oh, we have the same kind of issues. When I got involved, uh, back in 1996, it was still the, uh, the Live-In Caregiver Program. That uh, program, uh, which started in 1991, uh, required the caregivers to live in their employer's home, uh, and they were only able to leave the home on the weekends and stuff like that. It changed, and then it became the Caregiver Program. In 2014 is when they removed after a, a recommendation from um, the network of um, advocates uh, group such as Migrante, uh, the recommendation was to remove the, um, the live-in requirement, which was one of the pillars of abuse of the caregivers with them living in the home of the, their employer. And so um, they had removed that and uh, with it, uh, when the new program came, which was the caregiver program. So they have changed it to become an optional uh, requirement of the programs. I guess it depends on the needs of the employer. And then when that program, uh, the pilot program ended in 2019 of November, that's when another changes to the caregiver program was implemented again there were uh, different requirements that was uh, asked of the applicant. For example, the language proficiency exam has to be uh, taken before they leave the country, the country of origin. So then they have to take, if the applicant was coming from the Philippines, for example, they have to uh, pass uh, either IELTS or CELPIP or TOEFL at a, a certain level before they're able to come into Canada. But this time around with a new program, they're able to bring in their family, the rest of their family. And 
as soon as they come into Canada, they have an open work permit. And so that was one of the issues that, well, the old, older recommendations that we've been uh, uh, giving to the, uh, the federal government. Because being tied to the employer was also another pillar of abuse of, um, of the, the caregiver program because it's, it takes time. If there was abuse that's happening in the employer's home, it takes a lot of time that could take up to six months for the employee to get a new work permit with the name of the new employer. Right. And so with a new program, they just have an open work permit. And so they're not tied to the employer anymore, but they have to stay within that uh, category of caregiver work, but they are free to move from one employer to the other. And so if there's abuse that's happening, they don't have to stay within that employer to put up with it. And instead, they can look for another employer. So those were some of the major changes in the caregiver program that was implemented in November 2019. And what are some of the fallbacks of the program that you still see happening? Well, one of the fallback is the difficulty of being able to bring in the family and the cost that that's involved in, in uh, bringing the whole family. And so if you have, like, say, uh, you're coming from a household of, say, you and your husband and you have, say, four, three children or so, right, um, that's like five uh, a whole family that will be coming into Canada. And if you don't have anyone into the, say, city of destination where you're going to, right, you'll be hunting for an apartment as soon as you come here without any kind of support, without knowing anything about Canada. Yeah, so that's kind of a, the settlement issue right away with a family. So uh, that support is needed for the family so that when they come in, they're not met with like a, the shock of integrating and set, settling into Canada with the whole family. There are settlement programs that are out there, but with the family coming into Canada, it's up to them to find what kind of services are out there. And so just imagine the shock of, you know, coming into Canada. It's winter time. Where do we go? How do we start looking for an apartment? Where do we start looking for support? What are settlement services? What, you know, like they have no awareness of that. And so um, I think an orientation program is probably something that would help them even before coming to Canada so that they know what to expect as a family. And what is the application process like for the caregiver program? Well, for one, I guess with a new program, they need to have a job offer, so they need an employer. Uh, again, they have to go to the, um, they have to have what they call an LMIA, a labor market, um, used to be called like a labor market opinion. But that's uh, LMIA is what they use in order to publicize the job to make sure that it's, you know, it's a job that is not filled by the Canadian uh, market. And that's why they have to go outside the country. So, and once that's approved and no, um, no one else applies within the Canadian uh, labor market, 
that's when they can go through the process of um, having a caregiver coming from, say, for example, countries like the Philippines. So that's the that's a process that's done here in Canada. But on the side of the employee who's applying, say, from the Philippines or from Hong Kong, wherever they are, right? They need to have the requirements like they say they should have taken the caregiver program course, right? Or if they're coming from, say, countries like Hong Kong, they would have had the, they'd be required to have the experience working as a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so aside from that, uh, having graduated from a caregiver program, they need to, they need to have um, uh, the language uh, requirements. So they should have passed the uh, language exam uh, with, uh, with the marks that the level that the government requires of them, right? A lot of these caregivers go through agencies for them to take care of all the paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's cost a lot of money, and so it could cost them at least, um, could go anywhere from five to $10,000, even if it's like the whole family. So you can imagine how much money it would cost. And for somebody from the Philippines who will have to fork out that amount of money, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's quite a bit. What we've been um, calling for is actually the whole, uh, the call for permanent residence upon arrival in Canada, whether they are caregivers or any other type of worker, right? Because then it gives them that, um, uh, at least that stability of their status as a permanent residence. Mm-hmm. And they could be, you know, if they come in as caregivers, if, even if there's a requirement for them to be caregivers within a period of two years before they can apply for permanent residency. Right. Um, so in the current program, it's not guaranteed that they can be permanent residents. And so um, although there has been improvements in, uh, you know, as the programs have changed, our call still continues to be permanent residents upon arrival in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that way they have uh, at least that stability of the status and the promised permanent residency for them and their families. If someone applies for permanent residency after two years of working um, and goes through the entire application process for that, but is denied permanent residency, what happens? They have put a limit of, um, I think it's 5200 a year for the permanent residency application that they will grant every year. And so what happens if you're a 5,201 applicant? So those applicants will be forwarded to the next year. So in the meantime, you'll, be continu- you'll continue to work in, with your open permit um, until they're able to approve your permanent residency. And so even if they have an open work permit for those first two years, the PR status is not guaranteed. So again, there's that certain uh, vulnerability because the PR status is, is not guaranteed. What is the PR application like? Well, they have to go through, there's a lot of, um, 
like the paperwork that's required of them if they have work in other countries they have to um, say for example all the, the work history the police reports and all that in different countries where they went through medical uh, uh, the medical checks and so and so even if they had like a medical uh, check um, before coming into Canada when they apply for when it's time for them to apply for permanent residency they have to go for another medical check again and so if the, within the time period that they were in Canada and they became sick and um, it's something a disease that that was deemed medically inadmissible then they'll be denied their permanent residence application even if that happened in Canada well, thank you so much, Cynthia. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And I guess just uh, uh, last words to the caregivers. Uh, please don't be afraid to reach out to the different advocacy groups that are out there. To give us a little more context on the caregiver program, our next interview is with Maria, who is currently working as a living caregiver here in Edmonton. Maria joined me from a nearby park on her day off to discuss her experience with the caregiver program, opening up about agencies, the sacrifices of working abroad, and moving towards applying for permanent residency. My name is Maria Munana. I arrived here in Canada 2011 in September as a temporary worker, and I work in um, assisted living in St. Albert. So I just worked there for one year, but because of I'm, I'm, I'm just a temporary worker and I have that agent, a Filipino agent, um, she's giving me a hard time because it's like, I'm not a nurse. So she told me that if you're not a nurse, there's a tendency for you to send home. I felt nervous because this is my first time to work abroad. I didn't work in any country. So from Philippines, I applied through agency. Then uh, I arrived here. Like, like I don't have any experience abroad. For one year working in nursing home, I worked at night shift. So I love my job. I love working with elderly and, and to assist them. I love working with my Filipino coworkers. During that time, uh, on that um, company, most workers there are Filipinos. But because of that stress that my agent gave me, I decided to uh, shift the other job like a caregiver. I thought the company will give, me, give up about my work permit. But when I decided to change my job, that's the time also that I received uh, a letter from a company that they are going to renew my work permit. But it's so, you know, late already. So, and when I shift my job as a nanny, the problem is that I think it was a miserable part on my side since the employer that I work with has a alcohol problem. So it was a tremendous like experience. I don't want that um, working with like like having the problem which she is so drunk every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, I have the three kids to work with, plus the mother. So it's really hard for me. Then it's like I have to wait for several months 
to have my work permit done, right? Right. So when I have my work permit, I lasted to work there. It's like four months only that I worked with them because I couldn't hold on anymore. I can't. I can't just wait until my work permit or my contract will be done for two years because it's like I was verbally abused. I'm just happy that I, <laughs> I, I survived. The whole time, I cried the whole time. Every night, I cried so much. Oh, well, when can I survive? And I, you know, I really prayed so much for that. And then when I quit the job, I have to find again another employer to work with. And, and I'm so lucky to, to find the one who treated me like a family. I share to them when I have that interview. Actually, I prayed so much that, Lord, if you're giving me a chance to find another employer, please help me help me to to find a better person a better employer it was an answer prayer and um, i was like like amazed because they treated me like a family but unfortunately because of that four-year rule i couldn't comply the two years experience in order to apply for permanent residence. So I arrived here 2011. So 2014, for that second employer as a nanny, I only have one year and three months experience for that employer. You can count the past experience that we have. The employer, the first employer that I had, I can count for it. If you can complete the two years experience for your employer, you might be sent home. It's really hard because my family back home, I'm the, the breadwinner of my family, my parents. I'm single mm-hmm. and I don't have a family here in Canada, actually. So uh, being alone here in Canada, it's really hard. Uh, especially being alone here when your parents are sick back home. You can't even decide what to do. But they, you need to be strong. You need to be to be calm but sometimes I've been you know I felt like a panicking also because I really don't want them to you know to be gone because it's like this is the only thing that I went to Canada to work to work in Canada in order for me to support them I tried to to compel what is more important you show your compassion your passion to taking care of the other family in order for you to help yourself and support your family back home, right? Mm-hmm. So even though you have to be far from your family, you are thinking that I need to do this because of my ambition, because of my dream to help my family and for myself in the future. It's better that I will sacrifice for now because um, I wanted to see my parents being, you know, happy together than without nothing you know it's like it's like it's really hard as of now another year for me to comply in order for me to apply for permanent residence i have my work permit right now as a nanny and uh, so far i have three kids to work with if you have to total everything it's like 10 kids already that i work with Maria arrived in Canada in 2011 and is still waiting to receive permanent residency. Permanent residency is crucial in ensuring one's stability in Canada. 
It gives access to most of the social benefits Canadian citizens receive, such as healthcare, which is critical in this time of COVID-19. It also allows for those who have it to live, work, and study anywhere in the country, as well as apply for citizenship. Permanent residency reduces the fear of becoming undocumented or being sent home. I think an important thing to mention is that leaving places such as the Philippines is not necessarily always a choice. The effects of imperialism have created a diaspora of overseas Filipino workers. In 2018, it was estimated that there were 2.3 million Filipinos who are working abroad, which is often essential for them to care for themselves and their families. While the caregiver program has implemented some really important changes, such as the ability for workers to switch employers and leave abusive work situations, as well as bring their families into Canada, the promise of permanent residency needs to be upheld by the Canadian government for those who leave their homes in order to work abroad through programs such as the Caregiver Program. What's the Cheese Mies is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. Today's episode was produced by me, Jenna Prop. A special thanks to Cynthia, Maria, and my mom for joining us today. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and on our website, whatsthecheesemies.transistor.fm, and on Facebook and Instagram at whatsthecheesemies. You can also send us an email at cheesemies at cjsr.com. That's T-S-I-S-M-I-S. Salamat!